Thank you for tuning in to Don't Keep It To Yourself. I am your host, Cherise Shockley. The purpose of this podcast is to provide a safe place for an open dialogue that will enable my conversation partners to be seen and heard. I am like really excited about this show uh, for several different reasons. And as soon as the conversation starts, you will see why. I would like to introduce to you my brother, Darren Smith, who is, he does a lot of things. Um, I can't keep up. He's He has his own photography. He is most known though, because he's on ESPN Kansas City 810 uh, radio station. So D, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so stoked to have you. Baby sister, it's always good to be on. Uh, well, first, thank you for uh, for the invite. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, such a pleasure. And I, I guess I should ask, what took you so long to have me on? You know, nothing but a phone call away. So I had to wait like, what, five, six, seven years just to be invited on one of your shows. So yeah, I got to call you out in front of the people, but um, uh, it's, it's so cool to be on with you. Well, it's actually funny that you mentioned that because so prior to all of this, this is not, so everyone listening, this is not my first go around. This is actually my third go around, but this is more independent. So my first podcast, which was a blog talk radio show, was actually related to diabetes. And also with my previous employer, that was for my previous employer. So that's why I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was moved out of the house. So you can't share any of those stories with the with my audience and plus well, I wasn't going to <laughs> <laughs> I know but I'm just saying though but you can't you can't relate like everything has been specifically for people with diabetes this is the first time that I am doing something that's not focused on diabetes not to say that I'm not going to have people with diabetes on my podcast it's just this is the first time that it's not focused on diabetes so I was like thinking to myself and I was telling Scott and Scott is my husband he's going to be on here one day too that this will be a very good opportunity to introduce a little bit more Sharice because everybody just knows Sharice's diabetes, but they don't know Sharice. They don't understand like our, they don't know our family dynamic, like what makes me tick in that foundation. So I was like, you know what? This is going to be cool. I'm going to have all my brothers on and I'm going to have mama on. Yes. I finally convinced her to do it. So she's going to do it. But I wanted her to be the first person. And she said she didn't want to be the first person because she wants to hear you and Arian and Devontae first. So then her nerves, hopefully, she'll do it. But I so I love how you keep leaving Andre out. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, I'm not leaving him out on purposes. I just don't ever talk to Andre. So Andre's our well, older that, that, brother. That's why you really need to talk to him. <laughs> yeah. So Andre's our older brother. And it's really crazy because when I used to want to be in the music industry, I used to be his manager. That's another story. We'll have him on the show so he can talk about that. But that was a very good opportunity and first trip to New York. Um, so yes, yeah, so I actually am going to have him on. I just have to figure out when to have him on because I want to make sure that I, I don't want to have all my family on at once. I want to actually have, you know, every other show to be family because I just think it's cool. But anyway, and it's also something that, like I said earlier, people from the diabetes community, they're not used to seeing or hearing from because they just, I don't show that side. So, but 
let's kind of back up a little bit because you kind of interviewed me before I could interview you, and that's not that's not how it works. Okay, it can not work. And, show, I didn't mean to, you know, uh, just uh, put me on the spot. You know, it happens. You call me out, but you're used to calling people out though, because that's what you do. So let's back up. So you are my second to the oldest brother, but you have always marched to the beat of your own drum always i mean i remember seeing you reading the encyclopedia from a <laughs> to z and while we're outside right i'm thinking i'm a tomboy i'm outside playing football and you are in the house reading the encyclopedia like <laughs> <laughs> do you ever think back and say i cannot believe i actually did that and what motivated you to even do something like that no it's funny i was actually uh just i tell people the story all the time this is recent probably just a week or so ago, I was telling people, you know, growing up, that's what I, that's what I did. You know, I found myself, I don't know, I don't know where it came from. It was just one of those things where, you know, growing up when we were watching TV and stuff, you know, you know, obviously we, you know, we would watch sports and wrestling, wrestling and football and basketball, but um, I don't, I can't remember where it was instilled in us about education, but for me, it was always something that I just took a liking, uh, took a liking to reading, and I think it honestly started for some reason. Now, this I can't, I can't figure out where the fascination came from. Was reading TV guides, uh, you know, Miss Saxton, Baba, uh, my godmother used to bring me old television guides to the church, and I would just sit there and read them. But I don't know what, I don't know what for. Maybe I was just reading just to be reading. Uh, but yeah, I took a liking to that. But then it wasn't until. I'd say probably fourth grade that um, uh, I took the liking to just reading certain things, but it was when we lived across the street from the church and we were attending Woodland Elementary that uh, for some reason, you know, the encyclopedias were just sitting right there in the classroom. And for, you know, and, you know, teacher turned her back and I'm, you know, like reading it at the desk. And then I was like, oh, huh, here's my book back. Let me just see if I can drop this in there and take it home and read it. Lo and behold, it just start, you know, hey, that was, that was, that was my, that was really my, my only, uh, I'd say, life of crime, so to speak, was in the fifth grade when I stole uh, a set of, well, you know, what, what was interesting was that uh, they had, they had the thing back at the time, I think Encyclopedia Britannica or whatever, right. you could order a book, and, you know, mom was like, no, you, you know, no, you better <laughs> not, and so I figured the only way I could get some encyclopedias was I'd have to steal them, and that's what I did. We were in the fifth grade. I was in the fifth grade uh, at Woodland, and, and it's funny. I would get, depending on how, how thick the encyclopedias were, you know, some were thicker than others. You get right. like S is thick, this thick, and, and you get like PQ, and it'd be this thin, and so you could get like two of them, three at a time. And so I would just um, I would just put them in a book bag, and I would just run home. I would literally just run home from Woodland all the way to the house to make sure, you know, I didn't get caught or anything. And so uh, I, I still, I, it's funny because, as the, as the encyclopedias kept getting smaller and smaller in the classroom, the teacher never really paid attention to it, which was, if you think about it in hindsight, kind of scary. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, <laughs> so the teacher not realizing, hey, you know, these books are coming up mixing, missing. And, but it never, it, and, you know, nothing ever happened. So, you know, I got the whole set home and would read all the time. And I was literally, literally doing that all the way up, I would say, until... Uh, my freshman year in high school, um, you know, I was reading encyclopedias and uh, the sources, almanacs, and you know, Guinness Book of World Records. I was just 
I was, I was about to say, I remember the Guinness. Oh, yeah, you yeah. and that world record. And, yeah. and it's not like you were, it's not like you were, you were doing it because you were bored. You did it because of the information and the facts. And it's funny because Naya does it. And Naya is my daughter. She is a fact based. Like she reads it. She knows it. And don't, don't quote the wrong thing. Don't say the wrong thing. Cause she will call you out. And which is crazy because you are reading almanacs. You are reading the Guinness book of world records. But when you went to high school, like sports, like was your thing. When did you realize that? Yeah. You liked the almanac. You, you, you really enjoy reading the encyclopedia, but you realized journalism was your thing well well i was always interested in sports i mean because you, you remember we, we grew up watching wrestling so that was always you know and then of course going over to granny's house and daddy you know used to always watch the royals at, at you know when we lived with him we watched the royals and stuff and then but going over to granny's house all the time especially during the summer we're watching the cubs and you know in the afternoon because they didn't they didn't have they didn't have uh, uh they didn't have you know night lights so they didn't have night games so we watched we we're stuck watching the cubs during the day uh, before we had to take a nap, and then, then of course, you know, we're there in the evening time. She's watching the Atlanta Braves on TBS. So you know, we were always, I was always in the sports, um, and it, it wasn't until obviously, well, actually, take it back. It it would have been my eighth, my eighth grade year, because that's when I joined the, the weightlifting team. Right. That's when I got when I got actively involved in sports, and then of course, going to Central weightlifting, football, and everything else. Uh, so that's where it started. But I mean, but I had always, I, I was always interested in sports, but it was just a balance. It was just, you know, can't be out, you know, because obviously when we're over Grady's house or playing outside, we're playing dodgeball, doing everything, right. all the stuff like that. Mother yeah. May, Mother May. Yes, yeah, yes. Red light, green light. Yep. So we were doing hide and go seek. So we were doing all that growing up. It was just, you know, I mean, but when we're at home, you know, we're we're not, if, if we're not watching wrestling or we're not watching Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls play, uh, you know, then that's, you know, I mean, oh, I'm going to turn around and just find something to read because, you know, I didn't want to go to sleep or something. So that's where that came from. Obviously, uh, you know, like I said, when I uh, be, when I got in the eighth grade, that's when, you know, I got uh, started participating in sports and then, you know, going on to high school. Uh, what ended up happening in high school was my basketball coach was like, Smith, you know, because at that time I was read newspapers and stuff. Yes, I remember Kansas City Call. Yeah. And you would actually take people's newspapers. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my basketball coach was like, well, you know, he just he just introduced me to Matt Clay, who played for him in the 60s, and just told him, had him come up to the school and say, hey, I want this guy to intern under you, because I guess my coach, you know, he saw my affinity in sports, figured if you never play professionally, you can at least have some sort of involvement. And uh, uh, just a week, a week later, after he brought him up to school, told him he wanted me to intern with him, I was Covering the Monday, uh, covering the Chiefs game Monday night football, and eating dinner with John Madden. I was like, "Whoa, you know." So and that's how really everything got started. And um, uh, never, you know, that was my sophomore in high school, and never looked back after that. I know it's crazy because as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking of everything, like I remember you wearing suits every day to school, yeah. suit and tie, like. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just I remember that was that was just just grabbing something out the closet. I guess I have no idea. D, nobody just grabs a no, but I'm saying, I mean, I don't even know where the hell I got the suits from, so <laughs> you know, because again, this is 
you know, high school. I mean, I didn't have reasons to wear suits, but I don't know. I, I, I still can't figure that part out. So do you remember, I know, so you used to be the kicker too for Central, yeah. right? Yeah, Correct? Yeah, yeah. Bet you didn't think I remember that, did you? Oh, everybody knew they called me Bigfoot. That wasn't a big deal. I played, yeah, I played uh, uh, safety and, and I kicked. I, I, I like to be the one to hit folks, so. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to catch the ball and come across the middle get hit. I'd rather be the person that blasted them. And then, and then, cause yeah, cause I wore at that time, you got to remember I'm a freshman, you know, I had big feet. So they just, they would call me Bigfoot. And I, but again, the kicking came from, because we played kickball and used to kick, you know, football, you know, we live across street from the church. We had a big parking lot. So when we we're throwing and kicking the football around, I just, you know, I just got interested in kicking the football and could just kick it further than everybody. I remember that. Oh, gosh, I do remember that. Do you remember when we went down? I don't know if you do remember this, but I think it was you, the skateboard, and you went yeah, down yeah, the hill yeah, and yeah, you fell yeah. off the skateboard, and then well, your I, body had all these, like, road yeah, bones? I, 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 well, I fell, I fell off because uh, uh, I can't remember if it was Damien or, or his brother, uh, Damon or his brother Robert, uh, threw a ball at me. So, you know, I was like, and again, I'm you know, we're literally – Right now that uh, slide, you know, skateboarding down the hill. Yeah, I remember that very vividly. <laughs> yes, I remember. I'm like, and that was across the street from the church, so that's what made made me think. No, of. no, 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 no. That wasn't across. No, no, that wasn't across street. That was um, that was actually no. That was over here off of like 55th or 6th. No, that that was out. No, that was out in the city. Oh, uh, was that when we lived in the yellow house? Yeah. Okay. 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 I remember that. I remember that. So. No, actually, no, 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 no. That no, that was when I was in. Middle school. That was middle school. That was in middle school. Oh yeah, so that was way down the road. Okay, okay, cool. So then, you having this experience with Matt Clay, um, and by then, I think you did some internships at Hot One Hundred Three, which yeah, is my own radio station in Kansas City back in the day. Yeah, well, yeah, that that's when I was doing it with him, a sophomore in high school. He had ended up getting fired, and then uh, then I was doing an internship with James Tindall my, uh, when I finished out high school. And then when I was in college, I got a chance to go back and do an internship. Uh, I think like the summer of my sophomore year in college, I did an internship at the radio station as well. Okay. So we're going back up. We're going to get away from sports for a minute because, you know, one of the things that I have always admired about you as a kid is that you just did whatever you like. I'm just going, I don't, and I want you to walk me through this process. In college, right, you had an opportunity to do an internship at ESPN, and you also had an opportunity to do an internship at the White House when Bill Clinton was president. What possessed you? I mean, ESPN, everybody knows ESPN, and then the Clintons, I mean, you you went to this Jefferson, uh, I'm not Jefferson City. You went to Lincoln University, right. which is a horse historically black college, which is located in Jefferson City, Missouri, just in case nobody knew. But you're this small, this kid from Kansas City who was being raised by a single parent. I don't know. I still don't know how mama did it. And, and you went through college and you said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and do this internship. Like your confidence, D, is so off the chain that I have no clue of where you got it from because your faith in your ability and yourself, I wish I had just the ounce of that because 
this kid from Kansas City going for an internship and you chose the White House. And by then, I was so proud of you because I was in basic training when all this happened. And I remember getting the like this photos because my drill sergeant in basic, I was actually in AIT. My drill sergeant was a huge wrestling fan. And you sent me this, these, these photos of all these wrestling stars. And he was like, hey, Smitty, what you got there? And I'm like, oh my gosh, drill sergeant. And then you sent pictures for like uh, Clinton coming off Air Force One, like all of these cool pictures. And my drill sergeant was like, was, yeah, I think that actually, I think that was a Marine one. I think I remember that one. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. My drill sergeant was like, who is this person? I was like, oh, that's my brother. That's what he was like. How in the heck? I was like, drill sergeant, I can't explain it, but he just does it. Like you could go in and not really have a press pass at this time. <laughs> and you, you're taking pictures of freaking Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. And to see you do these things, you just went for it. Like what, where did you like get that from? And looking back, do you ever look back and say, dang, I can't believe I did that because I think it's important, especially for this show, right? Is that you have done so many things that so many people wish they could do and you do it, whether you're, you're doing it for free because if you're passionate about it. You're doing it to get your name out there. You're doing it because you love to take pictures. I mean, you don't do it for money. You do it because you enjoy taking pictures, you enjoy politics, and you enjoy sports. And I think that sports was your true first love. And then when we used to like do canvassing and stuff, I think you caught on to politics later. But I think sports was your first love. But you just... You've always, and this is probably not the right show for you, especially for this <laughs> title, you've always made sure that you were seen and heard. And I don't know how you did it. Um, and I admire that about you. As much as it kind of gets on my nerves sometimes, I admire it about you. I think it's probably one of the best things about you, the best qualities about you, because you do. You, you just do it. You make sure that when you're on a press conference at the Chiefs, you make sure that they see Darren Smith. When you're doing like all of these things, you make sure that they see you. And for me, I haven't always been that way. Um, so I'm going to pause and let you answer all those questions because that was a lot. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't even know where to start. Uh, <laughs> uh, really, I really don't know where to start. Well, so when it came to college, um, well, one, Mama had helped uh, Bishop Tyndall help pay the, you know, help pay, you know, my freshman year in college and then I ended up getting an ROTC scholarship for a couple of years and then the president of the university, you know, my grades were there. So, you know, he ended up, uh, uh, I got out of that ROTC scholarship and then they, he just, you know, provided uh, academic scholarships to finish out my, my, my college. Um, as it relates to the internship, what happened was the summer of my sophomore year, I was, when I was interning at the radio station, but I was also working for the EPA over in Kansas City, Kansas. And of course, this was during, this was in the summer of 98, but this is when all that Monica Lewinsky stuff was going on. So uh, at that time, I was the king, you know, making long distance phone calls. <laughs> and so, yeah, this is, this is before all this whole nights and weekend free, all this stuff. So, you know, so I'm making calls uh, on the government's dime. They were paying for it. So, um, 
So I decided to say, well, let me let me just call the White House out the blue. And I called the White House and said, hey, I'm just curious now that Monica Lewinsky, you know, working at the White House. So she was an intern. I said, well, what would I need to do to, uh, you know, get an intern there? And they transferred me over to the intern office and they uh, mailed out an application to me, you know, an internship application. And so my intentions were at that time to try to do an internship in the fall of 98, but because time frame and everything like that, and, you know, RTC stuff was like, eh, it's not, it, it just timing wasn't right. And I actually wasn't going to do it. Um, I, I got the internship um, opportunity with ESPN for the summer of, of 1999. But I think like three, four days before the deadline, I was cleaning out, I was cleaning my room uh, uh, on campus because I've been cleaning out my drawer and I saw and I just came across the application again for the internship. And I said, huh, let me, you know, let me take a look at it, see what all need to be done. You know, I had to write a, a few essays and stuff like that and had to get some letter recommendations. So I said, okay, let me try this. I ended up getting one from, I uh, believe, Yvonne Wilson, who was a state center at the time, got one from uh, our vice president of finance or academic or something. And then, you know, the president of the institution uh, wrote a letter of recommendation for me. Now, what's crazy is I actually missed the deadline, but the but the mailman on our campus was able to roll back the date for me and postmarked it for me and sent it and sent it out. So, uh, so and then I think a couple of weeks later, uh, they had they had told me that I had been accepted. So at that time, I had to de- I had to decide was I going to do ESPN or was I going to do the White House, and it was like. You know, I always felt that, okay, I could always, at that time, I thought I could always do ESPN again, but I'm like, how many people get a chance to do a fellow at the White House? And so uh, I ended up doing the White House. And it's funny because I had, I had three weeks before before it started because uh, of the deadline and when they got back to me. So I had to come up with, I had to raise, pretty much raise like $8,000. And uh, I got the school to pay for that, pay for my housing pay for my airline ticket to and from D.C. once I moved up there and was coming whenever I came back. They gave me a stipend every two weeks. Um, they paid for my, my my housing up there as well as uh, food and stuff. So, And I think I, and Alvin Brooks um, helped me with Harold Pennis get like five or six suits or whatever because, you know, you have to wear suits up there. And so, I mean, and they, I mean, I was... You know, I mean, I came up with the money, came up with everything. Did the did the internship for yeah, I think for like three months before I had to come back for for band camp, and uh, and that was that. You know, now in hindsight, you know, I probably probably felt like I probably should have done the, the internship at ESPN. Uh, all that being said, but but growing up, growing up, you know, we grew up in politics because you know, Mama worked for for Bishop Tindall. He was a county legislator, so we grew up spending a many of Friday nights and Saturdays. envelopes. Licking envelopes and running around the courthouse, you know. And I, you know, I kind of, you know, I still get kind of mad at Bishop about that. Like, man, dude, my mom was, you know, working late hours and stuff. But, but in his defense, you know, he did, he did, he did take care of our family. So, you know, he, I can be upset, but it, you know, I also got to remember, you know, when we did have a place to a lot of stuff, he, he made sure that we were taken care of. So, I was about to say him and uh, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember the Christmas? Um, we lived across the street. It was right when the divorce happened and mama sat down and she was like, I don't have any money for Christmas. 
So we're going to talk about what the true meaning of Christmas is. So she started telling us what the true meaning of Christmas was. And Carol Coe, which was a city councilwoman at the time, knocked on the door and she had this truck filled with toys. Do you remember that? Yeah. I was like, Mama, what you, I don't, this is to be the Christmas writing. <laughs> Santa coming in. Oh, Santa Black. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Gotcha, Mama. We got, okay. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I was like, and, and I'm, so I'm sitting here and I'm, I, I keep thinking in my head, like, how in the heck did she do it? Right. And it's because there were so many, she was so good to people that it's funny. It, it, it's funny to had to jump in, like, literally, literally, maybe maybe not more than 10 years ago I finally you know people finally realized my what my name was realized my name was Darren instead of Nina's son that's just how that's how I was referred to for in politics just, oh yeah that's Nina's son like what the hell I'm like hey wait a second man I got hey I got my little credentials you know what I'm saying but hey being Nina's son open up some doors so be it so, I know yeah. right it's it's so let's get back to you so I had to like as we're talking about childhoods and we just really don't have these conversations because you're busy. Like I can't keep up with you, but I wanted to make sure that before this even ended, that you understood how amazing I think you are and your ability, like I said earlier, and I've said it a couple of times to just go for what you want. You don't second guess it. You don't even figure it out. You just say, I want to go to the Super Bowl, and I'm going to cover this. And it's like, wait a minute, D, how you gonna afford to do that? Like, how are you gonna do these things? And I think it speaks to one thing that mama used to always tell us is that you will not become a victim of the system. Like I would not allow you to become a victim. To see and sit back and watch us all, right? We're different, doing different things. And none of us became a victim of the actual system. We didn't end up in prison. Uh, she raised us very dysfunctional, and it worked. I mean, some of the things, like I said, she's going to be on here, so y'all going to hear her because it's, we're going to talk about it. But some of the things that she's done and the amount of people that she's taken in to truly see that what you give back comes back, not not when you think you need it, but when God needs it. And that Christmas was one of those things to that came back to her and ended up blessing us in tenfolds. And we just continue to see that even now that she's about to retire. So, yeah, you know, as well, let me jump in with, with and people. I don't think people will actually understand growing up, especially after, after mom and daddy uh, well, got divorced and one, we, it actually started when we lived in Park Square, but but it but it was really it was, but it was really noticeable when we lived uh, across the street from the church. Then when we lived on Woodland, and then of course uh, uh, you know on seventy three. I mean, God, on Warren, yeah. Well, you know, because you think about it, uh, you know, er, early on, let, let's just say what we Park Square. I, I, I think I, I can't remember who lived with us in Park Square. When we when we stayed down there, but I but I know when we lived across the street from the church, um, you know my older sister Kathy, Kathy, Shinora. Oh yeah, yeah, Shinora, Shinora <laughs> stayed in mama's bed. I was like, hey, when you get up out of my mama's bed, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shinora stayed. There. Uh, uh, Gerald, uh, Uncle Gerald, well, Uncle Gerald stayed with us. Uh, God, oh, 
So many people. I mean, Mama, so many people. Mama was literally the old lady who lived in the shoe, but she wasn't, you know, but she wasn't old lady. Yep. Um, but yeah, um, you know, obviously, and, and you know, uh, Uncle Junie stayed with us a number of times. Uh, he and and it's funny because after Kathy stayed with us, Mama kept Mama kept Adrian for a number of years. Hell, I thought I thought I thought Adrian was going to live with us forever, uh, which I'm almost shocked he didn't. Uh, <laughs> you know, then and then you look, and, and we and we're just talking about family. We're not even talking about hundred baby mamas that live with us. Oh know? yeah, I have my other brother on. He has a lot of kids, so we'll yeah. we'll keep that for that episode. <laughs> yeah, but but let's just say we had Tamika, we had Tafanya. Uh, I mean, it, it, it wow. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, when you sit and think about it, it's a lot. So we're we're gonna, we're not gonna talk anymore about them because I want to focus back on you because yeah. this is about you. I'm making it about you. It's still part of the story. Yeah, it is. It is definitely. And I think that once everybody's on, then people can go and say, oh, okay, I get it. But, um, but yeah, so let's get to ESPN and, and talk about that because you live in a unique time. Sports isn't just about sports anymore. It's about things that's happening in communities. It's about, uh, things that should be in social injustice and uh, equities. It's it's about these things that plague the black community. So you have this platform, you have couple now, I, I can't keep up with you, but at what point in your career and on the platforms that you are supposed to just be quiet and talk about sports, did you decide to use your platform to speak up about in social injustice and inequalities and the lack of health equity. When did you decide that, you know what, today I'm going to turn a little bit and I'm going to go a little bit to the left because I really need to talk about this. And I've always wanted to ask you that question. I never have. So I would love for you to answer that. Well, to be honest, uh, Sharice, it, it was, it was never a matter of, let me just turn it on. It was, I mean, I didn't, there was never a particular, day and time say, oh, I want to go this route because growing up, I mean, just, uh, I mean, I, there, there really wasn't, it was, it was just a matter of, this is what I want to talk about, you know, because I have to live it. You have to live it. You know, I mean, you know, you, you live it in, in, in a, di- in a different, in a different uh, way because you're in an interracial relationship, but just me being a black man, uh, obviously stuff that's going on every day, you know, I, I have to worry about that. You know, you know, I have, you know, every, Every vehicle that I've I've had has either been an SUV or you know a convertible, so it's like, you know, I, I could quote unquote fit the profile. So, um, one of the things that 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 I've always I've always been conscious of, and this this is because of our up, upbringing in politics. You know, hanging around Bishop Tindall, he's you know he's he's from the '60s, and you know he's he's, he's from that time period where you know radical and Black Panther and all that other stuff. So, hang you know hanging with him and learning with him and you know run his campaign and just hearing the stories and stuff, I mean, you can't, you can't be human and, 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 and not see what goes on and just as go on being out of a film. I, I think, I think for me, what really encapsulated was when I was, when I was living in DC doing the internship and, and I noticed how many homeless people were sleeping right outside the White House fences. I mean, it was, it was just as far as the eye can see. And he just dawned me like, wait a second, man, we're a country supposed to be helping people. How you got homeless folk sleeping right outside the front gate? You know, I mean, there's homeless people everywhere, but you just see it right outside the white house. Like, oh. 
So, you know, it's like you're stepping over and walking over them. And, you know, mentally, that kind of shook me. And so, uh, and I even talked about that in the interview I did when I got when I got back uh, to Lincoln. When they, when they interviewed me, they asked me, like, what was the most, you know, thing that I took away from it? I was like, didn't realize how bad the homeless population was. And, and, and I, I'm thinking the government is supposed to be there to help people. And I know, you know, you can look at it as a philosophy, liberal, progressive, whatever. But, hey, I just, you know, I know what it's like. You know, we know what it's like to grow without and, and things like that. So it's like, so, so for me, it was, it was never, it was never um, a moment where I was like, well, now I got this platform. No, you know, because I, I knew by having the platform and, and by having an audience, I would be doing a disservice to, to those who came, who paved the way before me and before us and our ancestors if I didn't speak up, speak out. Uh, you know, when, when and where it's appropriate, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, I do a sports show, so, uh, you know, they, they, they got me on the radio to talk sports, not really social justice, but to be able to mix it in and blend it in, uh, what helps is that you have athletes like Mahomes and, and Patrick uh, and LeBron James and all these other athletes to where it infuses it, so it, it gives me a platform because we grew up, because I grew up in politics, I've walked and walked, I've knocked on doors, I've done, I've done the social justice, I ran campaigns, I know this stuff, I know politics like the back of my head, like I know sports, that it 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 allows me to talk credibly uh about about what's going on because, you know, I live it, you know, and, and I've lived it like, you know, when the when the stuff happened with George Floyd, you know, I'm out there protesting, I'm out there getting sprayed with uh uh, you know, the the stuff from the police and tear gas and stuff like that. So you know, I don't talk it. I, you know, I walk it as well. So, um, and people, people respect that. People respect, you know, saying when you're genuine, and you come from a place where, you know, not that you're really trying to call people out, but you, but but you're trying to expose uh, the ugliness, uh, you know, that that society has to offer. And but you also want, but you also want to show people the good in it as well. Right. Like I said, you know, it's one thing to agree to be disagreeable, but it's another thing to where you just want to be bullheaded and you don't and you don't want to listen to facts or listen to logic because right. you because you can't see the forest from the tree. And so when you have situations like that, you know, I'll just leave the conversation like Man, I don't you know, I don't have to have this conversation with you. I can just hit the drop button and keep it moving or we can have an open dialogue and, you know, we can agree to disagree, but, you know, we can be disagreeable. And when we do it. But however, the facts are going to be told, uh, at least at least when I'm a part of it. So, again, it uh, for me, it, it was never it was never a moment of oh, let me talk about it. I, look, I'll be honest with you. Um, I know you kind of you kind of didn't say it properly, but um, I'm on ESPN Kansas City as well as Sports Radio 18 WHP here in Kansas. City. I told you I can't keep up with you. <laughs> yeah. And you do something for Fox too, so I, I can't keep up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a yeah, I'm on a Fox Sports Radio station in Parsons, Kansas. Uh, but I but I will say that I've been fortunate to where the owners of the stations who I'm pretty sure well I know the one in, in Parsons, Kansas, they align politically polar opposites of me. They still have given me, you know, they've never, you know, you know, well, me and me, me and the owner of the Parson station had—I don't want to say words, but we've had text messages as it relates to what I post on my personal page. But I told him, I said, "Man, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to. You can unfriend me, <laughs> you know." But but I but I also also try to remember that you know, 
there are people who look up to me, so you kind of have to watch what you say, press it, and stuff like that. Uh, but but to that point, though, when you go to that station, you go to of of a ten. They've given me the freedom and the Latin and longitude. They you know they just say, Darren, just don't go too overboard, but we don't mind you. You know, look, we know where you stand. Do you know? Do you? So they just like just don't. Yeah. Don't, just don't be like vote Biden. You know. Right. Other than that, they pretty much let me talk about whatever I want and don't they don't censor or silence me at all. So, and and that that comes with respect and what what I bring to the table. And it could be the fact, yeah, I am the only black person on the air, so they you know, you know, it is what it is. So. Well, it's it's funny because, so if y'all can, if y'all can follow my brother on. Facebook because he does his shows live and every once in a while I'll surprise him and call in so I can talk about the Raiders because I don't like the Chiefs. It's and it's funny now, you know, the Chiefs played them next week. So I mean whenever they decide this game is gonna, you know, it's gonna air between the Chiefs and the Patriots, you know, we have the Raiders the following week. So I'll definitely be expecting to hear from you. <laughs> right. I'm oh, you know I'm gonna call in. But it's crazy because like I hear you and I do these shows and I'm always interested and curious, like what do people say to you when you do talk about the injustices and you talk about the things that's happened in the world? Like what's the reaction? Because on Facebook, I really can't see it. I, and I'm not even, I'm, I think I'm more interested in like, does anybody ever call the stations and complain about uh, you talking about it? Um, you know, well, let me stop you. It's funny you said it because when I did the show that won the award, um, that won the, program of the year uh i call it the george floyd episode uh-huh like people were just on the on the on the facebook live with him he had like maybe 6500 views live during that time i mean people were just talking about how good the show was so it's funny as much as no literally literally when i go in that direction i don't you know no no i, I I've, I've never once had anyone call or even during the live stream uh-huh. like just like just no disagree no they they're like thank you for talking about it. i mean it, it's it, it the 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 stuff that i get that or that i see negative comments on is when i post a news article or something and then people just feel free to comment and they're basing their comments off of that and you know whatever ignorance that they have but my live streams that, or my live recordings and, and shows and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I don't have that problem. I mean, look, you can do it. I mean, you know, people can. I, I'm one of the few people who will let you say whatever. Now, I may block you, you know, or delete your stuff, but I let people say whatever. But 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 I, I have... Oh, to... well, let's back up a little bit. At what point would you have to, where you feel that it's necessary to block somebody? Because, you know, I work in social media and I've I do a lot personally in social media. At what point do you block somebody if when somebody they, wants to? When they basically, if they they you know resort to using the N word or they like, for example, you know, on our website, I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, on our on our ATM Facebook page, when we when we post when I posted something about uh, you know saying rest in peace to John Lewis and. Uh, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, we had people that would make some lewd comments or some racist comments, and I just banned them. Now, they, you know, somebody wants to go back and unban them, you know, because other people have access to the page, they can do that, but, you know, I ain't for it. You know, I'll just be like, I ain't got, you know, the station, they will quote unquote hide the comments. 
I'll unhide them so I can see what they said, and I'll just <laughs> either delete them or just or just ban them. Yeah, it is. And, and the thing is, you know, I, I tell them that when I'm on the air, I'm like, yeah, you can leave with it, but you know, I'll ban you. I, I can't speak to nobody, but you know, we'll read your stuff. I'll ban you and keep it moving. Yeah, because I I sit there like I said, I listen to him. Like, did he just say that? And like, does that like? You don't care if it hurts followers, if it, people don't listen. You just don't care. You you are, like I said, I have always been seen and heard. Um, well, look, I mean, look, I, let, me, let me say this. Obviously, you know, I work for someone, so, you know, I have to do things in decency and order. And so, they're, you know, so I, you know, I know I don't try to push to the edge and then, you know, fall over and then try to be reined back. You know, I go as far as I think I need to, you know, like cause every now and then, you know, you know, my boss will say to me, Hey there, don't, don't interact with people. And I'll just go and I'll delete a post and just, you know, keep it moving or whatever. Cause you know, he, he always says there's, there's bigger things in store for me. So, 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 so sometimes, you know, you have people that kind of rein you in some, if it seems like you're kind of veering in a little direction, but, but again, but for the most part, you know, I mean, and, and even on my personal page, I'll let people say whatever, but sometimes, you know, but, uh, you know, now it's just gotten to be like, I ain't got time. I'll just unfriend, block, keep it moving. Uh, you know, I got close to 5,000. I'll get 5,000 again. So if I had to delete 50 people or ban them, that's okay. I'll get 50 more friend requests the next day. <laughs> oh, so has there ever been a point in your life where you felt like you weren't being seen or hurt or being seen and not hurt? Yeah, I mean, you get that. I mean, I, I, I mean, I get it now because you know, people, people will, you know. I asked the speak for I'll give you an example. I, you know, after the whole George Floyd stuff and Patrick coming out with his statement and then joining LeBron James doing the voting stuff, you know, the players had mentioned how the team president was actively involved. But this is like in June, so I'm like. So for the next two months, I'm asking, well, when are we going to speak to Mark Donovan? I want to talk to Mark Donovan. And when they finally got Mark Donovan uh, to speak to the media the last week of, of August, you know, I, I have a litany of questions. And so uh, a colleague of mine at the station told Chief PR, he said, hey, let Darren ask his question before I come because he wanted to make sure I got my question in because, you know, they were afraid that they might not get to me. And I'm the one that had been requesting for two months. I'm like, wait a second, now, you're gonna let me ask this guy a question. <laughs> and so, so when they got, so when they got, you know, everybody's asking like one or two questions. They get to me, and I hit them with like four or five questions off the rip. And you know, and and and, and it's funny because my guy was like, my guy was like, bro, that was awesome. And then it, it, he spent literally two days talking, to, two three days talking about my line of questioning to the team president. Do you know what the question? What was the question? Oh, there, yeah. Well, it was, well, it, it had to do with the Chiefs are located in the third district here in Kansas City. So I wanted to know, uh, and this, I appreciate what y'all doing on a national scale with Patrick or whatever, but I want to know what are you doing here locally? And I need specifics. See, they, a lot of times people like to speak in generalities. I said, no, I need specifics. What are you doing here in Kansas City that uh, in the third and fifth district that's helping people get registered to vote and on election day, getting black folks to the polls or whatever on election day? And he didn't want to come out and say it, but I pushed him so hard that, you know, he, 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 he let it be known that they were looking to try to have Arrowhead Stadium as a polling location here on Election Day. And henceforth, they, they, they are having it as a polling location. 
and the team and Patrick Mahomes are splitting a hundred thousand dollar cost to use Arrowhead Stadium on election day. Oh, Nobody wow. would have known that if I if I'm not asking that if I'm not pressing asking those questions. Then I asked them about, you know, they have a partnership with High V. Well, there's no High V in the third and fifth district. Why, right? Food deserts. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he, you know, he he didn't have an answer, but he did say that well because he couldn't speak for high V, it was, it was more so bringing to his attention, like, hey, well, I'm paying attention. And so, but he also said that he has had those conversations with high V. So, again, when the next time he comes on, I'm going to follow up with him on that. And, um, and there, there were a couple other things as well. But, you know, but by the time, you know, got through, they were like, everybody was like, damn, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, uh, but what was funny is that, you know, you look at that and, uh, and another one, Patrick Mahomes, you know, I talked to him uh, on one of the calls in August and I said, could you credibly tell me why I shouldn't have you going 19 and 0 and you all finishing off what New England uh, couldn't do in 2007, which was go 19 and 0. You know, they lost in the Super Bowl. But lo and behold, this week after beating, after beating the, um, uh, the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night. So it was when, it was Thursday when we talked to Patrick, there's a guy from the Kansas City Star Hey Patrick, you were in the sixth grade, sixth seven when this happened. Um, do you remember when the Patriots were went sixteen uh, on the regular season, eighteen to one? Is that something you all think about? I'm like, really, dude? You gonna? I mean, you gonna you gonna re-ask my nineteen to no question to Patrick? Like, like I'm not gonna know that you're asking my question to the same person again. That I'm texting other people. They're like, yeah, man, we know. So you know, basically, basically. It's like me always doing somebody else's job. I'm asking all the tough questions, mm-hmm. and everybody wants to turn around and use it and, and use their stuff and then try to filter their story out. It, it's the same thing happened with Chadwick Boseman when he passed away. You know, I'm, I get the first question to Patrick, and I'm asking Patrick about that and about some dealing with, you know, racist Chiefs fans or whatever on, on his timeline and stuff. Lo and behold, that's the whole story for, for the weekend. Chad, uh, Patrick Stoss on, 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 uh, on Chadwick and his comments about that. So everybody's trying to frame it in a way like, like they asked the question. But like, that's good, though. But that's right. good. That's flattery, right? No, it, it's good. But, you know, I mean, but you like to get credit for it. I mean, right? you know, everybody else trying to take credit for for your work. But, you know, it is what it is. All right, there we go. Okay, so we talked about – so it has to be hard because there are a lot of sports journalists out there um, – so for you to keep pushing, pushing, and pushing to get those questions answered. And even though you may know the line of questioning originated from you, it has to make you feel good that people are taking notice because once upon a time, your your line of questioning would not have made the headline. So that has to let you know how great and how far you've come. It has to make you feel good at least. I mean, I know it pisses you off. But it still has to make you go good. And also, I just want you to know, I forgot to tell you this. You can actually cuss on this show, too. I forgot to tell you that. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, I mean, you never know who's listening. So mama pulls it up. I don't want her to think, like, oh, my gosh, we need to wash that mouth out with soap. I didn't do too good, girl. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> no, but, but but to your point, though, um, I, I mean, I, yeah, it's cool. I, I, you know, look, I, I've had, and not just this year. I mean, you know, it's been the last couple of years, you know, where I've seen on first take or undisputed, they use my question, and then you hear, you hear my question, and you hear, uh, you hear, you know, Andy or someone respond to it, like, "Hey man, wait a second, I was on, on first take, and then nobody, but nobody gonna tell me, like, really?" Um, and, and I had people all tell me all the time, "Man, we heard you on television, we heard you on on the news," and 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 literally, you know, 
literally everybody, you know, remembers uh, Andy Reid talking about somebody in that suit. Then they realize, oh, you talking about you, you know, after the Super Bowl. You know, he was, you know, he's at he's at the he's at the podium and they're they're listening. He's like, oh, doggone, you got this suit? Go go ahead and you know, because then everybody trying to look and see who he's talking about. Oh man, he's talking about the guy. You know what I'm saying with this three piece red suit. You know what I'm saying with the with the you know with the yellow with the yellow uh, handkerchief. But you know, I I mean it's it's cool. I mean, look, I, I'm I'm not I'm I'm still not where I want to be professionally. You know, but you know, but the fact that I do have I do have the platforms to be heard, and the fact that you know it's it's respected enough to where you know you've heard me on some national uh, radio shows and, and stuff like that. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Again, may not come when I want it, but it comes on God's time. So, I definitely agree. So, you know, what would you say to someone who's keeping stuff in? They are just sitting there in there, whether it's in the boardroom, whether it's at home and they can't get any support from their spouse. So what would you say to someone who's tired of being seen and not heard? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> um, society has made it to where if you got a camera, I mean, if you got a phone, you got a camera, you got a microphone. I mean, you, you, you have a platform. Literally, all you have to do is hit the live button, whether it's Facebook, Periscope, uh, Instagram, YouTube. I mean, you have an avenue. You have, your, you have your own platform to have your own voice. You just have to know what to say and maybe how to say it. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe maybe people just don't know what to say, or they just don't know how to say what they want to say. Um, believe in yourself, even if nobody else does. And as long as you do, then that's all that matters. That's my humble opinion. Did you say your humble opinion? Pretty much, yeah. What? <laughs> I'm glad this is recorded. Um, well, I mean, I mean, look. First of all, you asked how I got to be where I was. I mean, you all, everyone said growing up, oh, D's so conceited. Well, I mean, I had to have that to, you know, push forward. You know, because if I if I if I got to where people were slamming the door, if I didn't have that type of quote unquote arrogance or conceitedness that you can't tell me nothing, then you know, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at. You know, where I am now, which, but to to an extent, probably could be what skipped me from going to, to the top. But it is what it is. But. My question, though, is it's not that and I'm sitting here and you just you just said something. I think that sometimes I know I am. I do that often. I mistake your confidence in yourself for arrogance. And there's two different things. Now, you may be overly confident in yourself sometimes, but that's who you are. That's how you get to where you are. But, but here's the, here's the thing: in this in this industry, this line of field, you almost have to be, because that because that's what I'm sorry, I'm hearing gunshots outside. Uh, but you know, I mean, but that's what, almost what you have to be in this in a sports thing. You have to have either the personality, or you have to have that that overt style to get people's attention or to make people listen to you. So you can you can be. Big breath, ha ha ha! But if you ain't got nothing to say, nobody, people just want to. You talk loud and don't carry a small stick. But if you can speak loud, but you also have something to go with it, now you got people's attention. That's true. I'm sitting here. So it's, check this out. I used to work for Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah, I did. Used to work for Pizza Hut. Um, but I used to work more recently for one of the largest suppliers of meters and for diabetes. 
And I didn't realize like all of the things that were happening to me there. I didn't realize the effect that it had on me until I started reading when people posted about social, like this happens to black women, you know, they're told they're too, they're too aggressive. And like, if I had an ounce of what you had, I wouldn't allow a hat allowed it to affect me in the way that it did. D I had people tell me I wasn't creative. Um, I had people tell me that people didn't want to work with me because they mistake my, my passion for aggression. Like it's crazy. And I'm like the nicest person in the world, but I'm hearing this. And well, you also have to remember, I mean, as a black woman, you're going to get, I mean, you're going to get a lot of, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter because as a black man, hell, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the nicest guy, but you know, but if I get angry, oh, I'm an angry blackness. So you're going to get the stereotype regardless of of your personality. So. I know, I get that, but like Scott, he'd be like, he had wanted me to leave, and I was like, what? I, I have this plan. I haven't accomplished it yet. My goal. I need to do this. I need to do that. But in hindsight, I should have left a long time ago. Um, but like you said, I was in the process of, of finishing my degree and I didn't want to leave, but I think that something I can take from you is, is to be confident. And that's the same thing Scott says all the time, just be confident. And I see it in him too. Like the way that he, if he didn't know something, you wouldn't know he didn't know it because the way he cares. Make it till you make it sometimes. Yeah. He's so confident in, in his abilities and I am getting there. I think the older that I'm getting or the older that I get, the more I sit back and I watch and I look and I kind of like look at the, our childhood and say that, you know, mama gave us all these tools. Um, like I said, it may have been dysfunctional, but she gave us all of these tools to help us survive. And for me to be in an environment that I was so quiet and then I figured out how to navigate around that audience. And I was like, you know what? I got a question. Kind of like you. It's like, if you answer it, then I'll keep going up to the top till somebody answer. And finally, like, I, I'll never forget this. I asked this question and I asked, I was like, how can we create products for people of color, for black people? And they're not even an advertisement. Like, what are we doing to make this stuff affordable for people with diabetes who can't afford it? And also, if I don't know about it, and if the people that that are in my circle don't know about it, then something's wrong, right? So the person in marketing at the time, he was quiet. So the head of diabetes care was like, I'll answer Sharice's question. So it seemed like he, he always used to be that person to answer my questions because he didn't take offense to it. He knew that I knew and that I was asking for a specific reason. So I think for me, once I got over that hurdle and just, I got tired of keeping it to myself. And even though I was a little bit, huh? Do you find that open your mouth? Yeah, I finally decided to open my mouth no matter who was watching, right? I finally listened to the advice that my husband, Sharice, just, just say it. They go, like you, they're going to think you're angry anyway. So just, just say it and let it go. And which is part of the reason why I created this podcast because Nobody should feel like, like you say, of course, you have to know your audience, but no one should feel like they should keep anything to where it's festering and it's causing them to, to stress out. It's causing them to not want to be there not want to go and not be able to speak up for themselves. It's like you have to speak up. And I know at some point there's probably going to be, I hope 
that more people come on and talk about things that are uncomfortable. Um, and if they don't want to talk about those uncomfortable things, they can write me a note and I can read it to read it on, you know, read it on the air just so they can get it out because we can't keep stuff in anymore. It's not healthy. You got to have to, you have to let it go. Yeah, no, it's not. And, and I tell people the worst of my tell you is no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I've heard, heard that lots of times. So, okay, if, you, if you're going to say no, I just find somebody that'll say yes. Right. And then also, worst thing that can happen is they'll cuss you out and you move on, but at least you got it off your chest. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, no, that, that's what it is. Well, on that note, Thank you so much, D. I really appreciate this. It's funny because I actually wasn't going to make this the first show, but now I'm going to have to make it the first show because we talked about Mama so much and Aaron and everybody else. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to to be my first guest. Well, first of all, as I've always said, not ever too busy for family. I mean, all you have to do is sit and ask, but, you know, closed mouth don't get fed. So, I'm, I, you know, you ask, oh, we can find time. Tell me when, we, you know, make it happen. Trust me, I could have been at the casino, but instead I decided to sit, sit at home and do this with you, so. Well, I appreciate you. And before we go, if anybody wants to follow any of your sports shows, your, you on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you are, how can people find you? Uh, they can, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, uh, find me at Darren Smith WHB. Actually, Facebook might be, I think, 23 Jet Chip Wasp or something like that. Jet Chris Wasp. I, for some reason, I changed it to the Chiefs uh, play to Tyreek Hill. I don't know why I did that, but uh, you can just pull me up Darren Smith on uh, on Facebook and then Darren Smith WHB on Instagram and Twitter and just send me a friend request or add or follow whatever and we go from there. And I make sure I add your information in the show notes. So thank you everybody so much for tuning in to my first episode of don't keep it to yourself podcast. I really appreciate you and you can subscribe no matter where or wherever there's podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, you can subscribe from uh, anchor FM, wherever. Uh, Thank you so much. I appreciate you.